0: Welcome to Dawn Patrol, the 30A morning show. Good morning! Presented by 38 Cottages and Concierge. Yeah! <laughs> Online, 38cottages.com.
1: Thank you for joining us. This is Mike Ragsdale with 38.com. We have a special guest this morning. Um, we have Lisa Burwell, who is um, uh, not only a longtime local, but also is the uh, entrepreneur behind many local endeavors, including um, the Idea Boutique dot com uh, which is a a local marketing uh, agency and also of course v magazine which uh, services the uh, gulf coast and the panhandle and is a a really beautifully done lifestyle magazine um, not just about the coast but about uh, life in general as the as the title would suggest so lisa thank you for joining us
0: you're welcome. Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah. So, um, so how did you get here? How, like, uh, how did you get to uh, the North. area that's now kind of known as 30A or to the Gulf Coast?
0: Well, uh, 22 years ago, I sent a resume to Seaside. Uh, I lived in Boston. It was a really snowy, gross day out with um, muck, and I thought, wow, living in Florida and working there might be. Um, a really a breath of fresh air. So sent a resume. I uh, didn't hear from them for a year and a half. Was at a different job when the call came in to fly down to Seaside to be interviewed for their first marketing director for the Merchants Association. And I had no plans on coming, but my niece was born three months prior, so I thought I could make a little um, road trip for an interview and to meet my niece, Megan.
1: Okay, so you really weren't coming for the job. No. You were coming, you saw it as a nice little perk <laughs> I did. of a job interview. Sorry,
0: Seaside, but yes, <laughs> that's what I saw.
1: <laughs> so you show up twenty two years ago um, to Seaside. What did Seaside look like that day when you first pulled into the to the to the town?
0: Idyllic. I had seen it before because my brother uh, had moved here a couple of years prior to that, and obviously, I mean, it looked like a movie, and then lo and behold, a couple years later with The Truman Show, it actually was mm-hmm. featured as a backdrop to the movie. And it just looked like a fairy tale, actually, and there wasn't you know, hardly anything on 30A, and you had to drive to Pensacola to go to a, a shopping mm-hmm. mall, and it was so, so different back then, but mm-hmm. in my mind's eye, I, I loved it. Mm-hmm. I loved and so, the, um,
1: between the time you did the interview, how long was it before you found yourself in Seaside?
0: It was six weeks later, and uh, I had uh, met with about 40 different people, all the merchants and <laughs> all the executives, and it was an eight-hour uh, meeting, and I had never had an eight-hour meeting in my life before, and I... Wasn't going to take it, but I had uh, asked for a couple of stipulations and negotiations, and didn't think they were going to uh, agree to it. But they did, and so out of sportsmanship, I moved here. <laughs> wow!
1: And so you show up, um, not really
0: knowing anyone—no one except my brother, right. and his wife.
1: And what? Tell me what your day-to-day life was like in this area uh, twenty-two years ago.
0: Well, I came from corporate America, and it was from Boston. So you know, I guess they call that you know somewhat um, uptight uh, i was a northerner i was single all things that really didn't uh, you know the recipe didn't really jive with the town um and my uh bosses were uh dave roshkob and billy mcconnell and scott wakowski of button alleys and we had to drive to, I think, uh, Sam's and get my desk and a phone. It was like really, really gorilla, <laughs> gorilla set up and very, very contrary to where I come from. Right. But um, you know, I liked it, and I and I wanted to do it. It was um, definitely boot camp. It was hard. There was no staff, mm. and um, it was all the wine festivals and the uh, creating um, activity and. Uh, the movies on Tuesday nights and the concerts and a lot of event marketing. But the mandate was how was Seaside going to basically grow the customer base for the merchants? Mm. Because merchants need customers to survive. There weren't very many people back here at all. And so that was my job. I was mm-hmm. supposed to increase business with the merchants, so they were all my bosses, and it's hard to have like twenty bosses. <laughs> but okay, I survived, <laughs> and uh, have a lot of friends still from that time period, um, obviously. And then they turned into advertisers, like all these years later with fee. But uh, what the marketing um, program was that I saw that Seaside was very elite, and obviously, you know, still is, and they were the first to basically create this whole new urban movement and whatnot. So basically we started doing an advertising campaign where we were inviting the outside in. And although Seaside didn't have walls or doors, it, it seemed like it did because people from Destin or Panama City, you could, they didn't feel welcome because they weren't invited. So all we did was basically invite them to come through these invisible doors and they increased their sales by 35% the first year, 55% the second year. So it was a simple invitation through marketing, that made um, the outside be allowed to come into Seaside. Well,
1: obviously, I'm not speaking on them and uh, on behalf of them in any official capacity, but on behalf of the merchants of Seaside, I think your mission and uh, strategy <laughs> well, worked. Yes, <laughs> mission yes. accomplished. I
0: think so. I mean, at the, during the two, year, I had a two-year contract with Seaside, and uh, there were a couple of times when there were so many people overrunning the town back then, which was a fraction to what it is now. Uh, I would sort of get a little bit of um, cross-eyed look from some people that said that um, too many people were in town. And I right. said, well, I believe from where I come from, that is a good sign, so right. I think we're okay.
1: Yeah, right, right. So at some point, um, I mean, you seem to be a, uh, you're not only a pioneer. I mean, you know, now a small army of social media and PR consultants exist to service all of the businesses that are here. But really, you were the the pioneer, the the first settler in terms of of marketing firepower here.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, they had some people before then, and they had some big agencies and everything. But I was the first for the Merchants Association because Mm -hmm. that that was never, like, really farmed or... Mm -hmm. Or managed, so yeah, that was the first. It was um, it was definitely hard mm-hmm. to do, but it was accomplished. And you know, the visionaries all you know, Robert and Daryl, and all the team of people that they had there, the, and the architects and um, Duani and whatnot. I mean, what a what a team of creatives mm-hmm. that basically I still credit to this day mm-hmm. for setting the bar for like what we all have. I mean, they're visionaries. They, they've I think their spirit basically allows like you and me and artists and other people to be here because they did plow some serious um, terrain here.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And it's very easy to see how any other developers would have come in and put up condo towers all the, along the coast, like every other coastal destination, and, and somehow this area was miraculously spared that.
0: Yeah. No, it's um, you know, it's so I always I always give them credit because I think sometimes like when you reach a certain point in your life, I think a lot of people forget like opportunities that were given to you, mm-hmm. and I, I mean that opportunity to be here, um, to come to seaside, and then I opened Cornerstone a year after and honored my second year contract with them, and they allowed me to do that, which was um, a huge deal to open a small agency and have my very first client, BC said. So I'm forever indebted to them actually mm. for doing that.
1: Well, so we're in your offices now. Uh, Cornerstone's offices are in Grayton beach and Cornerstone not only has the idea boutique, which is a, uh, a full service, uh, full service
0: agency. agency. Um, and, and somewhat, um, has turned into and morphed into like the publishing arm too of the agency, um, mm. as well. So when we got into the publishing business eight years ago with V, and then subsequently with you know other magazines that we publish for people, uh, you know uh, the Idea Boutique has flourished and sort of taken its uh, turn. Um, toward the world of publishing, and we've published a couple of books as well. Mm -hmm. And I never saw that as a business plan. I never saw that coming. Um, When the stock market crashed eight years ago and we were losing our two large clients and we were faced with, are we going to close the doors in two months? Back um, in 2008, I really had to dig deep creatively. And I I kind of, I was very, very nervous because obviously the the economic climate Mm -hmm. was bleak. But I did view it as a creative challenge. That if I was good, if I ever really knew how to market, then did I have? Um, could I dig deep enough to like think of an idea that could possibly you know keep us afloat? Mm-hmm. And and I kind of I, I did I did like that. I was um, it, it was a creative burst for me because when you have nothing and you know you're going down the tubes. If you can't think of something, if there isn't an idea that's a lifeline, we were going down the tubes. Mm -hmm. So um, starting V was the um, antidote, or hopefully the antidote to that. And it was very, very hard to do. Mm -hmm. But a byproduct of publishing V that I never saw coming was that it ended up somewhat being... The agency's calling card. So let's say someone had a budget of two million and they only had a five hundred thousand dollar budget left, which to agencies that used to get two million were going to be crying and didn't want it. I wanted those pieces of business and they were fine with me because mm-hmm. I welcomed it and I was gonna keep the cash flow going. And they liked V. So people that had advertising budgets liked V. So they called us. So I never saw that V was going to end up being like a, a lost lead generator, leader, yeah, a lead generator, because it didn't make money for the first four and a mm-hmm. half, five years of its existence. So
1: how many years has it been published now? Eight. And and how many issues? What issue number are you on?
0: We are going to press today with issue 36.
1: That's wonderful. And and it's really well done. And you you obviously cover, um, I guess, cola to cola is the term you kind of came up with, which is Pensacola to Apalachicola. Correct. Um, and obviously, a great deal of that content is focused on you know this area uh, of 30A and South Walton. Um, but you've also uh, now ventured out uh, overseas. Uh, you, you're, you're doing a lot of work even in Ireland now. So kind of tell me about what that's about.
0: Well, that was, um, V was a crazy um, idea and a crazy venture, you know, hoping that it would work. And thankfully, these years, all these years later, it did. But uh, Ireland was kind of the same thing. In um, my mom passed away four years ago, and she um, gave her small cottage over there to our family. And I loved the area, and she loved it you know I used to joke around sometimes we used to say she loved um, Ireland more than she loved her children which was just a joke but <laughs> she really did love the country and she grew up there when she okay. was younger and she spent formative years there from 10 to 15 and she lived with um, my her aunts and uncles my great aunt and uncle. so uh, it was a big deal to her. So over the years, we've we've traveled there with her. She fixed up the cottage. We would spend a couple weeks, like every two or three years. And my sister and I went over there. Uh, my mom shipped us off there when we were in high school for a summer. And we fell in love with the place. Mm-hmm. So it's always been in my heart. But I would honestly say that, um, you know, with her passing and her love of Ireland, that we didn't know, like, what we were going to do with the cottage, and do we want to spend a lot of time there? And obviously, I'm not in a position to retire yet. So I thought, well, what about if we open a small office over there? It would maybe give me an excuse to spend some more time over there. And so as, like, Publishing V was a, like a love letter to this area, Connemara Life, which is the name of the magazine that covers the region of Connemara, which is um, the west coast of Ireland, was definitely a love letter to to those people over there as well. And when we went there a year and a half ago, scouting office spaces to see if we, you know, how much it costs and how we were going to set this up in another country, the people of Ireland are very hardy. They're very resilient and strong, and they've weathered a lot of things in their, you know, history and their culture, Mm. Um, you know, poverty, and just a way of life that was, it's a lot harder than the way of life, especially in the West of Ireland than we have here. So, but they were always like just totally okay and resilient and comical and light about everything. But when we went there a year and a half ago, for the first time, I saw them somewhat hopeless and very, very weary. And um, the if there's a saying that if America um, sneezes, Ireland catches a cold. And so when our economy was so bleak, let's just say theirs was much worse. Mm. And uh, so, as odd as it might seem, we actually started a magazine over there, basically kind of on the same premise as V, to tell good stories, to honor the area, to honor the people, and to almost be, um, you know, a vehicle for for hope. So it was crazy. And it was not a good economy over there a year ago. But I had no idea that the euro was going to change and that it was going to be better for. I mean, like the climate has really Mm. changed financially with Mm -hmm. um, the dollar being stronger now against the euro. It was one dollar and thirty nine cents when we were over there, and then you know about four months ago, I'm like one oh eight, and I'm like,
1: it's like getting a twenty five percent raise. Yeah, we're kind
0: of like moving in the right direction, Mm -hmm. but it was all like based on heart and. Thankfully well, thanks
1: I would say that if I from an outsider's perspective your life seems to be you know in the, the magazine is named v you seem to be pursuing things that you're passionate about uh, that there, there are different business uh, entrepreneurs out there some of them look for opportunities when they see an opportunity they then figure out a, a way to meet it there are others like I think me and you who just do what we love right. and then with the idea that if we do what we're passionate about it right. will figure itself right. out, you know, right. and that drives some people crazy right. because, you oh, know, it's drives not a, a lot great, of people crazy. Yeah, but, but, but I think, you know, I look at your, uh, the corporate culture and I, and I, I, I hear, I see, you doing these amazing photo shoots with your staff and y'all all dressing up in uh, period costumes or whatever. I see, you know, I know you've taken the staff uh, in some of in some cases to Ireland. You took the entire staff to, uh, you know, Italy. You're like the Oprah Winfrey of of 30a. You know, it's like you get a vacation, you yes. get a vacation, you get a vacation. I mean, come on, you know, it's like right. it seems like a really cool corporate culture yeah. that you're kind of building.
0: It's ha- it's hard to work here, mm-hmm. you know, it really is, and I, I've always known that, and I always know know that it's intense, and so doing things like that um, hopefully is just um, sort of like a a payback for all these people over the years that work very, very hard here. Mm. And I also did not like working in corporate America. I thought culturally, like when I was up in, you know, Massachusetts, it was, um, and it's like that today, pretty much anywhere, where, you know, there are the penny pushers and uh, the pencil pushers and Uh, It's all about the bottom line, and I don't think you can run a creative shop just from the bottom line's vantage point. I don't don't believe you Mm. can do that. And so um, I basically run this company like I wished companies that I had worked for would have run a company, and I don't know a company that is this small that operates like we do and... I don't care because it's just how I want to do it. But if it doesn't work, then I'm okay with that. Like, I wouldn't... We had a consultant come in here a couple of years ago and tell us that everybody that worked here was paid too much and the first thing that we had to do was reduce it by 25 or 35%. And it was crazy. And I'm like, "Mm." so when he left, I gave everyone a raise. (laughs) Because I just don't get that owning a business means that Everyone fails in the equation except the people that own it. I actually don't like running a business that way. Hmm. So, um, but I I have to say that over the years, the crew that we have now, and and we've always had like maybe every three to five years, there seems to be like a new crew because people go on and they open their own businesses and they become their own business owners. And so it's sort of um, begetting... Um, entrepreneurs and, and the, well the, it's it's like in the restaurant business the Dave Rosh Cobbs and
1: the Johnny Earls have spawned a whole new wave of of young people who've come up under their mentoring yeah. and you're doing the same in the advertising and PR marketing.
0: Right. And I'm know, happy world. for you know I'm happy for them and, and to work here successfully you have to have an entrepreneurial spirit. And if you don't the people don't survive very long. So if someone's staying for more than two or three years they are an entrepreneur at heart and the only natural progression is going to be for them to go out and do their own thing. At the beginning when it happened, it was hard for me because I very much view everyone like a family. And at the very beginning when some people started leaving and going off, it was like, oh, it like broke my heart. And then I'm like, okay, get over it. Like This is life and it's normal and it's good. And to some degree, like I had to grow up too, that it was normal and okay. And so um i view it differently as i did before because i want like everyone who's ever worked here before i wish they all still worked here
1: (laughs) right right
0: so they were all so good everybody you know the staff here is like amazing today
1: well lessons of life lessons of v uh we're here with lisa burwell of the idea boutique uh, subcompany of, of Cornerstone Marketing um, and also publisher of V Magazine, which is available um, in most outlets here along the Gulf Coast as well as uh, internationally. So um, thank you, Lisa, for joining us. And uh, yeah, we we'll encourage coming. anyone in the area who has um, marketing uh, or advertising or PR or publishing needs to uh, please reach out to the Idea theideaboutique.com. Thank you for joining us, Lisa. Well, thank you, Mike. Dawn Patrol,
0: presented by 38 Cottages & Concierge, with properties in Rosemary Beach, Seacrest, Seagrove, Seaside & Watercolor. Unpack, relax, and forget where you're from. 38cottages.com. 30A Radio, brought to you by the Growler Garage, with 40 craft beers on tap, just steps away from the beach, located across from Ed Wallin Beach Access at the corner of 393 and 30A at Santa Rosa Beach. Grab a Growler, growlergarage30a.com.